Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. What's up, Central? Good to see everybody. You look wonderful. Hey, can we give Jesus one more clap offering just for what happened today? It's my favorite day of the year. Man, I love, I love baptism weekends. What an incredible way to celebrate. Um, I'm, I'm a little partial to the way we do it, too, like during worship and celebrate, and everybody's excited and going down and coming up, and yeah, amen, amen. Hey, we also want to welcome all of our online streamers, North Carolina, New. thank you guys for making it bigger. Last service, it was like this big. I couldn't even see it. I'm like, what, what are y'all doing? Like testing my vision or something? I felt like I was at the doctor's office. North Carolina, New Jersey, New York, Minnesota, and Georgia. Give it up for all of our online streamers. Thank you, guys. And also your campus pastors right here, Pastor Stephanie. Pastor Steph, stand up. Make sure you greet them in the, in the lobby. If you're nice to them, they might take you to lunch. We're in a brand new series. Um, and by the way, if you're new to Freedom House, um, we are one campus, one, one church, many different locations. We wanna be the local church in every local community. And so we have three, three locations right now, South End, Central here today, and then also Lake Norman. And we have live communicators at every one of our campuses. So I'm preaching here today. Pastor Olin is at our South End campus, and Pastor Michael is at our Lake Norman campus. And I kind of move around, and so uh, and everybody else kind of moves around. We have a teaching team, which I'm so grateful for. We have about 12 or 13 guys and gals that are phenomenal preachers of the word because uh, we're a church that wants to build on the vision and not a person, and so we believe God's doing some great things right here in Freedom House Church. And so today, we're starting a brand new series called Identity about discovering who you are. Uh, and there's, there's a real challenge in that today, right now, in our culture, 2022, uh, a few few years back, I went to my um, haircutress, haircutter lady. I didn't, that's a word, haircutress. Um, and you know, I, I, I'm on, I'm you know, pastors are on duty all the time, basically. You know, like I'm in the grocery store. Hey, Pastor Troy, how you doing? That's a good. It's good accountability. So my wife and I can't argue in public. And so she's like, "Don't say that to me right now. We're in public." And so I uh, went to get my haircut. And this young lady who was cutting my hair, she, she, as soon as I walked in, she just started bawling. And I'm like, sweetheart, what's wrong? You know? And she said, well, you know, me and my 
now husband. She had just gotten married. She's about eight months in being married. She said, I went, we went to purchase a home. And when I sat down to fill out the application for the mortgage, the guy who was writing the application said, I'm sorry, ma'am, you cannot buy another house. You already own one. And, and he said, went on to tell her that he, she owned a car, two cars, had several credit cards. And she's like, I don't have any of that. I've never purchased a home in my life. And you know, my parents gave me my car. It's, it's debt-free, all these other things. And come to find out that her identity had been stolen. And somebody had purchased a home, two cars, had credit cards, all in her name under her social security. It basically taken on her identity. We are in a position in our country right now, in the world where the enemy is challenging our identity. We, we even have people that are trying to make laws where it's okay if you're eight years old to, to decide, well, I don't wanna be a girl anymore, I wanna be a boy. Or I don't wanna be a boy anymore, I wanna be a girl because I feel that way. Let me, let me make it very clear that right now, you don't determine who you are God already has. You don't determine that. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. It reminds me of a story of a man who went to his psychiatrist you know, and he's laying on the couch and he's going through his challenges in life. And he says, Doc, you know, I have this problem when I go to the grocery store. You know, when I walk down the, the dog food aisle, I want to open a can of dog food and eat it right there in the middle of the aisle. And the psychiatrist was like, man, that's weird. Like that's, I mean, I, I've really met some weird people in my life, but you kind of way up here. Look, when your psychiatrist tells you that, it's probably good to find a new psychiatrist and, uh, and he says, he goes, I've never heard that before. I mean, this is, I've been doing this for a long time. I've never heard anybody say that. Like they want to eat dog food. And so he looks at him and he goes, well, how long have you been doing this? How long has this been happening? And he goes, since I was a puppy. <laughs> anyway, come on, that's funny right there. I just got to. <laughs> All right, let's get to the Bible. Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter two. This is the verse that we're going to use to unpack this. In all four weeks of this message series, Ephesians chapter two, beginning in verse 10, we're just gonna look at one verse. It's gonna be on the screen behind me. You can cheat off a Christian beside you. For we are his workmanship, everybody say workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I, li I like the, the Passion Translation. I've been reading that a lot lately. We have become his poetry, same verse. We have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each one of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. By the way, that's what Christ means. It's not Jesus's last name. It actually means Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance. I want you to think about this. He's talking about you, by the way. God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. Knowing God is where we begin and end in knowing ourselves. Knowing God is where we begin and end in knowing ourselves. We're gonna unpack this a little bit. We're gonna go deep and then we're gonna come back to up to the top. Three important phrases that we see in this particular verse that are important for us to understand. First of all, that we were created in, in his workmanship. This is the Greek word poema. 
It means like a rare piece of art, a masterpiece. Look at your neighbor, just say, you are a work of art. Look at him again, just look at your other neighbor, say, you are a, a piece of art, not a piece of work. Don't, don't say that, I heard somebody say, you're a piece of work. Even my pastor agrees. See, glad you came to church today. Now, this is interesting because I want you to catch this. God made you specifically, intricately, individual. Every one of us is made. I mean, he even told Jeremiah that before you were a twinkle in your mom's eye, I knew you. I had a connection with you. I made you. I, 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 the way that you smell, the way that you see, the way that you hear, your, your fingerprint. There's no person on this planet Right now, there's no person that has ever been and there is no person that ever will be that'll have that same fingerprint. Pretty amazing. Your DNA, different than anybody. The way you think is different than anybody else. There's nobody like you, nobody. And God created you that way. And you are a piece of art. You are not man's creation, but God's creation. Here's how he said it in Genesis 1:26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now, the, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and there's a way in which writers wrote Hebrew called an Hebraic parallelism. This is a big theological understanding. And really, any, any type of um, writing in Hebrew, they would use this. And you see this, if you read the Bible, you'll see like two phrases that are almost exactly the same. You go, well, why did they say it twice? Because they're trying to get emphasis across. And so you may see in the book of Proverbs, it says it all the time. A fool does this and you should do this. And then it says, a fool does this and you should do this. It's basically the same thing twice in a row. You're like, what is he talking about? Because fools do it. Don't be a fool. So what he's saying here, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Image is like a reflection. Now, when Moses wrote this, Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, he was trying to get across to a people who understood idol worship that we have the same form. We, we are the same image. We're not God, but we're like him. When you look in a mirror, you see you, but that's not you. It's a reflection of you. We are to reflect God extrinsically, but we are also made in his likeness intrinsically. So we're supposed to live this out, be a moral reflection as well, a character reflection of God as well. That's how he created us. That's how he made us. However, sin came in and distorted that view. That's what sin did. So Jesus, right from the very beginning, we saw this a couple weeks ago when God said, let there be light. He started the whole process of bringing Jesus onto the scene even before sin happened, which is a great thing because God already knows that you're gonna mess up. I don't know how he does it, but he knows how you're gonna mess up and he's created a way for you to get out of it should you choose to get out of it. Come on. So that's why he sent Jesus to fix this reflection. Now, here's the thing. We, we think and we have this idea that everything's gonna be fixed, but the truth is, is that we're not gonna get the fullness of this image until Jesus comes back and we get our glorified body. We can eat as many carbs as we want, you know, all that's good stuff. That's what's gonna happen with the glory. That, that's my rendition of the glorified body. You'll look good, you'll have good hair days, you can, your purse and your shoes will match every single time you get out of bed. That's why it says we are his workmanship created 
in Christ. Okay, so first understanding, God made me. Second, I need to be in Christ. In other words, I'll never, I will never discover my identity until I am in Christ. I can believe that God created me, but I'll never get my identity till I step into Christ. Matter of fact, there, this is where we suffer some conflict or some tension because with our identity, because we operate in a dual reality, you and I do, okay? You, are, you have a human presence, but you also have a spiritual presence. You're a human being, you live on this earth, you have a, a human, but there's tension, there's this tension that's pulling us back and forth. I wanna be connected to God, I wanna be more spiritual, or maybe, I don't even know what that means, I'm all earthly, I'm all invested in the world. You know the question, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Yes. Both of them did. I mean, look, think about it. The egg was in the chicken, and the chicken was in the egg. So they both came at the same time. That's just the way I look at it. You were born a spirit. You have a body. You have an earthly presence, but you also have a spiritual presence. That's why Paul said in Colossians 1, he said, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Coloss. If he was saying it to us, he'd say, to the faithful brethren in, in, in Christ in Charlotte. To the faithful brethren in Christ in Freedom House. So here's the deal. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you are in Christ. But you also live in Charlotte. So you have a part to play heavenly, and we also have a part to play earthly. Are you following me? Now, the way God works is he always puts the person before the promise. We want the promise before the person. We want the spiritual before we work out who we are naturally. And we get it backwards. We ask the wrong question. What on earth am I here for instead of why am I here for? The why is answered in the person, which is always followed by the what. Don't get it out of order. Maybe, be, maybe you're not married because God's trying to make the person before you get in the relationship. Don't ever think you'll become the person when you get married because the person comes before marriage. Are you following what I'm saying here? And this is the way it works with anything. If we get it out of whack, then we will identify with the what instead of the who. And we'll start to put our identity in what we do as opposed to whose we are. Does that make sense? So that's why it says, and just think about the verse. For we were created in, we, are, we were created his workmanship in Christ to do good works. See the pattern? See how God created us? I understand that I'm, I'm God. I'm, God made me. I'm unique. I, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I, I'm a masterpiece. Some of us are a little, you know, weird, different, <laughs> different in Christ, okay, to do good works. That's the pattern. Don't get it out of order. I'm not gonna sit up here today and try to tell you who you are. That's your journey. I'm just trying to give you a good roadmap. I'm trying to point today. My job as a pastor is to point you in the, in the right direction. Matter of fact, that's the job of any pastor is to be a sign. That's my, my job is to be a sign on the side of the road that says, this is how you get there. Hey, go this way. Now, some of you listen. Some of you are like, I don't wanna pay attention to that. 
But then you get right back on again, and you go, hey, I'm there again. Hey, how y'all doing? Pastor Troy here again. Go this way. Amen. Go this way, please. Would you go this way? Now, God helps us with this. He helps us a lot, and I believe one of the ways that he helps us is by asking questions to us. Because God never asks us a question because he doesn't know the answer. (laughs) Often, he asks us a question because he is the answer. He's just as asking us to find him. So if we understand that knowing God is where we begin and end in knowing ourselves, then let's look at some of the questions that God asked us. I'm gonna look at three that might help you today. Are you ready? Okay. Question number one is the first question that God asks us, which is the same question that he asks us over and over again. And that question is, where are you? Where are you? This was the title of the first message I ever preached at Freedom House. It was, where are you? September 8th, 2002. I still have the cassette tape. If you don't know what cassette tape is, they're these little square things. They have two reels right here. They're about this big, and you insert them in this machine, and it runs over and over. Just to, it's like a check. A check is a little piece of paper. It's about that big. You put your name at the bottom. I asked my daughter, the other day, hey, can you write me a check? What's that? Where are you? Genesis 3, verse 9. Then God, then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Okay, let's, let's get a picture of what's going on. God had created this place called Eden, a garden, a, a place of perfection. Everything was perfect in every way. And he put Adam and Eve, created them, put them in this perfect environment. Everything was great. Community was, with God was perfect in every way. Sin did not exist. There was nothing going wrong. Temperature was right. Atmosphere was right. Environment was right. Everything was good. The the serpent, Satan, comes in and says to Eve and Adam, hey, listen, guys, um, you're missing out on something. God's holding something back from you. Did God really say? Which is the question that the enemy will always ask you. Is did God really say that? Did he really mean that? The question that God always asks us and is still asking humanity today is, where are you? And so he, he basically comes and says, tries to talk them out of it. They take of the fruit. They disobey God. The next thing that happens, and this is really important. I'm going somewhere with this. The next thing that happens is the Bible says their eyes were opened. They, they realized that they were naked and then they covered themselves. Now, the thing that we don't know is the time frame between the time that she took of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the time that God came to the garden and said to Adam and Eve, really, he said it to Adam. This is important, men. God came to Adam. He didn't ask Eve. He asked Adam, where are you? Which lets me know that as a man, it's my job to lead spiritually. It's my job to lead the family, lead in church, lead... In, in spiritual things, because God's gonna hold me accountable to, the, to the, the location of my family, not only the location of my heart, but the location of my family, the location of everything that's around me. Can I get an amen? All right, so make sure I'm okay to say that. And so, so, so he, we don't know the time frame between that, and then God shows up and says, where are you? I want you to write this down. I want you to think about this, Okay. With a wound comes a lie. With a lie comes an agreement. And with an agreement comes a vow. 
With a wound comes a lie. With a lie comes an agreement. And with an agreement comes a vow. Adam had identified with a wound. So God said, where are you? Adam's response was, I heard you in the garden. And because I was naked, I was afraid. So I hid myself. The wound that Adam was coming out of was shame. The reason why shame was there is because he was struggling because he felt like God had left him out of something, which is the lie that came out of the wound. God's withholding something from me, so there must be something wrong with me. And as a result, he made an agreement with his wife, with the lie that he believed, that he was now afraid of God. And so I'm gonna hide myself, because with a wound comes a lie, with a lie comes agreement, and with agreement comes a vow. And this is where we can get really messed up in our identity when we identify with a wound. When we live out of our wounds, let me give you an example. Culturally, in, our, in, in the world. In 1933, there was a, young, a man by the name of Adolf Hitler who came on the scene, he became the chancellor of Germany. And just seven or eight years later, he decided, and I don't think it was a decision that happened seven or eight years later, I think it was a decision when he came into power that was his purpose of power is he wanted to eradicate, completely remove an entire group of people called the Jews. And in 1941, World War II started. The purpose of Nazi Germany was to completely get rid of Jews. And in over in four years, five years, six million Jews had been killed in the Holocaust. Now, at that point, okay, anything after that, every Jew has an opportunity. They can live out of the wound of what Germany did. Create a lie that, let's just say, all Germans are evil. Anybody that identifies as a German is an evil person. I'm gonna make agreement in my life that I don't ever wanna do this, so I'm gonna live out of that identity. This is what happens with you and I. It's very easy to do. Something happens in our life, or we choose to identify with something that is a wound. Something that is unhealed. And we have decided to leave it open and unhealed. Because there's a big difference between a wound and a scar. Okay, I, I, I skateboarded when I was a kid. I twisted my ankle a lot of times. And so when anybody would come near me and they got near my foot, don't, don't get near my foot because it's, it's hurting right now. There's this wound. If we allow our experience of the wound, our feelings of the wound, or this truth to be developed because of what has happened to us, or what we perceive has happened to us, or has happened in previous generations that we tend to identify with, are you following me? This can happen to any of us with anything in our past. Then I have left this thing open, and I just keep ripping the scab off of this bad boy, and I'll never get past that place of a wound because I've created a lie that I now believe that my life is normal when really it's just abnormal, and I'm living out of that. And so wounds, wounds separate us. They, they pull us apart. 
A scar, however, way different, way different. You ever get around people? Guys do this all the time. This is what, ladies, if you wanna know what we do when we're by ourselves, here's what we do. Man, you see what happened right here? I got this, I, I fell down on my skateboard right here. And I got this rock. You can see it if, you, if the camera got real close. There's a rock inside of my arm right here because I was holding on to a ski rope behind a moped on my skateboard. <laughs> no helmet, no, no pads, no shoes, and a brand new pair of swim trunks. Because <laughs> when I fell off, man, I wiped out big time all on this side right here. And then I have, also have a scar, scar right here right over top of my eye. If you look really close, you'll see it. That's where I ran into a parked car <laughs> on my bike. You're like, how'd you do that? We don't wanna talk about that right now. That's not a church discussion. <laughs> but you know what scars do? They unite us. See, scars can be sacred. Wounds aren't. Are you living out of a wound? a lie, an agreement, maybe a vow. Wounds are not healed. Scars are reminders of where we've been. Wounds are painful. Scars are educational. Wounds get infected. Scars direct us. Wounds separate. Don't get near me. Don't hit my, don't hit my sore. Oh, don't, oh, you're gonna touch it. Don't touch me. But scars unite us. Every scar can be sacred. Second question. Second question. So first question is, where are you? Second question, Genesis chapter three, verse 11. And he said, who told you that you were naked? This is an examination into the voices that we listen to. Who told you that? Who made that declaration to you? What voice has determined who you are? How long have you been listening to that voice? Well, there, there are, listen guys, there are so many voices vying for our ears the voice of our parents, the voice of our friends, the voice of the devil, the voice of experiences, the voices of failure, the voices of the past. Come on, the voice of your boss, the voice of your teacher, the voice of your ex-spouse. Maybe your own voice is vying for your attention to try to pull you off of knowing God so you can know yourself. Are you getting this? See, culture, the world determines identity by four things. What, do, what you look like, what you do, what you have, and who you know. That's it. What, what do you look like? Outward appearance. Really, it's about being like or, or, or accepted. It's called acceptance approval or, or being approval addicted. I need to look a certain way. Well, you're not pretty enough. Well, you're not skinny enough. Your hair's too long. Your hair's too short. You don't have any hair. I mean, there could be all kinds of stuff that go on. What you do, my, my job, my success, my failure, what you have, cars, houses, planes, clothes, who you know, relationships, name dropping. In other words, your position, your performance, your possessions, and your people all determine your identity. Here's the problem with that, y'all. The problem is standards are always changing in the world. One day it's a blonde, next day it's a brunette. I don't know what hair, what color, so I'll just make it green and we just settle right in the middle. Well, one day it's, it's wearing this, another day it's wearing that. One day it's being this, next day it's being that. When it comes to people are, and people are so judgmental and fickle. They change, bam, just like that. If you didn't know that, it happened in Jesus' time too, the crowd. One day it was hail him, hail him, the next day nail him, nail him. That's a little fickle. 
I don't want to be in that crowd, but that's where we, that's how we let them involve us. Good enough is always relative. It's always relative. And then here's the truth. Some will, someone is always going to have more than you. Somebody's always going to have a bigger house than you. They're going to drive a nicer car than you. They're going to have much more money in their 401k. They're going to make more money than you. I'm not saying those things are bad, but don't allow those things to become your, in a, your, your identity. So our job is not to fit into the world. And let me just say something about this real quick because um, this is where churches can get dangerous is when the church looks so much like the world. Let me tell you, it's not, we're not supposed to look like the world in here. We're not, to, you know, I know we have lights and all that stuff, and that's cool and everything, but that's not the important thing. The important thing is truth. And as your pastor, sometimes I'm gonna say stuff. Matter of fact, at least once a month, I should make you mad. I really should. I should say something, you go, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. You know, yeah, I know you're gonna get excited, and we all go through a honeymoon phase at church, Couple year, six months. Oh, you're the best in the world. You're the. Be- I'm gonna say something. We're gonna do something that you're not gonna like, because we're not trying to be the world. We're not trying to coddle you. There's a big difference between coddling and discipleship. And the church has found itself, and this is why uh, you got these woke churches that are trying to be so much like the world. And saying things that are so off base and agreeing with abortion and agreeing with homosexuality and agreeing with all these, these things that are, aren't even biblical. I mean, think about it just for a second. Well, you know, God wasn't smart enough in the book of Genesis to talk about male and female. And for 2,000 years, theologians have got it all wrong. <laughs> Let's be honest. For 2000, They messed it up. All of, but we got it in 2022. We got it all figured out right now. We understand it all right now, right? Are you following what I'm saying? <laughs> That's why the Bible says in Romans 12, that was my soapbox. Let me step back down off my soapbox. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Listen to me, church, church, there's three voices you gotta learn to discern between. Your voice, my voice, the devil's voice, and God's voice. You're talking to yourself right now, you're talking to yourself. We talk to ourselves all the time. Man, when is he gonna get done? I'm hungry. I'd love to go get something to eat. I wonder where we're gonna go today. Maybe Viva Chicken, I don't know. I'm kind of in the mood for some chicken. Man, look at that girl over there. She's cute. Look at that guy. I wonder if he has a job. (laughs) Right? Are those blue eyes or are those green eyes? Wow, I'm tired. I didn't sleep too good last night. We're just all over the place inside of our head. (laughs) How do I know that it's my voice? Your voice typically says I can't. It's filled with pessimism, feeling, experiences, failure, insecurity, guilt, shame. Now, in order to discern between the devil's voice and God's voice, let me give you a little hint. In order to discern between the two, know the character of each. Know the character of the devil. Know the character of God. The devil's voice sounds a lot like you'll never. 
because it's distracting, it's negative, it's anxious, it's disquieting, it's disturbing. It tries to banish peace, question God, condemn. It's the author of confusion. He is the father of lies. Here's a great example. If you figure out that it's the devil's voice, do exactly the opposite. If he says, don't go to church, get up and go to church. If he says, don't tithe, tithe. Because he knows, he's trying to stop you. He's not omnipresent, he's not all-knowing. But he knows if he can trip you up in that, if he can talk you into that, he can talk you into something else. And the devil will never make you do anything because you have a free will. You have to choose to do it. The third voice is God's voice. His voice sounds like I am. Follow his character. His voice is good. It is convicting. It's drawing. It's helpful. It's peaceful. It speaks to the soul and the spirit. It's calming. I love how David expresses this when he, he hears the voice of God in Psalms 139. Now listen to what he says. It says. He says, oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. And you, you are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold the Lord, you know it altogether. You have helped me behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's wombs. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. That's the voice of the Lord. You know what you do this week? I want you to think about that. Maybe, maybe dictate into your phone those verses and just play them over and over. Maybe write them down, put them on your mirror so every morning you wake up, you read Psalms 139 about what God says about you. Where are you? Who told you? Last question, who am I? When writers wrote books uh, during, in, in Eastern culture and especially during Jesus' time, they wrote with the middle being the pinnacle. We typically read books, the end is the pinnacle. Some of us even read, we're like read the first chapter and then read the last few paragraphs. I wanna know what happens at the end. It's like fast forwarding to the end of the movie, see the climax. Well, they wrote differently. Theirs was like a mountain. You climb the mountain, get to the top, and then come back down. Matthew 16 is the pinnacle of Jesus' journey with his disciples. So he's with them in Caesarea Philippi, and he asks his disciples in Matthew 16, verse 13, who do men say that I am? What is, what's Twitter talking about right now about me? Any pictures on Instagram? What is Facebook saying? Some, some said, you look, you're like, you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. 
remember, remember, knowing God is the beginning and end of knowing yourself. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? So what Jesus was doing was saying, hey, hey, what is, what is the phrase saying? Are you believing that? Because I think it's easy to fall into that, is to think that we get all of our information without instead of within. That we, we look at other people to provide, but there's a moment, catch this, there's a moment in our life when it comes to God where we get something on the inside. And this is what Jesus was trying to get his disciples to do. And this is what God's trying to get us to do in, in regards to our identity. Because if I can know who Jesus is, then I can figure out how he made me and what he wants me to do and who I am. And so, so what are people saying about me? What do you say? Peter goes, you're the Christ. You're, you're, the, you're the son of the living God. Home run. Knocked it out of the park. Peter, I mean, the most unlikely of all the disciples. I mean, John maybe would have said that. But, but Peter? And then Jesus' response is very important. Jesus answered and said to him, Peter, what the heck? Nailed it, dude. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Something has shifted on the inside of you where you understand this. When this happens, this is going from a secondhand revelation to a firsthand revelation. This is connecting with God at a level that up to this point, every Jew thought that only happened with the priests. Couldn't happen outside of, there's no way that I could get that. And Jesus made a way for Peter. And then he says, you know what I'm gonna do, Peter? I'm gonna build my church on that understanding that you can get that revelation. And this is where it all begins for you and I. In discovery. Remember, my whole thing is not, I can't tell you who you are. I'm just the sign. Hey, go this way. And it begins, it begins with knowing Christ. Knowing him. And not just knowing him because you heard a good preacher preach about him. Not just knowing him because grandma was a good prayer and she read the Bible and she had one of those big old coffee table Bibles next to her chair all the time. No, it's knowing Jesus for yourself, for yourself. Because when that happens, no devil in hell can ever pull you away from that. No circumstance in your life can ever pull you away from that. You will always know who you are because you know who he is. No, no, no socioeconomic problem, no, no economic downturn, no housing failure, no World War III. Nothing will ever be able to pull you away from that. You will become like Peter, a rock. Where he was even able to say later, on this cornerstone, Jesus, we're gonna build. That's, that's where your faith, that's where your identity comes from. So I want us to confess some things over our life today before we go. Can you stand up on your feet? And here's what I want you to do today in closing. I want you to just to speak this over your, your own life. Just close your eyes for a second. I want you to say this loud. Even if you're watching online, say it loud. 
so your neighbor can hear you say this. Say this loud, say it strong. Everybody together, say, I am God's work of art. Oh, you can do way better than that. Say, I am God's work of art. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am who God says I am. I refuse to be labeled by the world. I was created to do great things. I will listen for and I will hear God's voice. And another I will not follow. I am made in the image and the likeness of God. Now just keep your eyes closed, lift your hands, and just let the Holy Spirit come and put his seal on that right now. Some of you have believed for so long what your teacher said, what your past has said, what shame has said, what the enemy has said, who people told you you are. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit, in the name that's above every name, I take authority over every label, and I break the power over their life. Those things are being ripped off right now. Scars are forming, sacred testimonies and messages in people's lives of what they went through that has shaped them. And God, you have been involved in every situation, in every circumstance. And Father, I thank you by the grace of God, what sin has distorted will become crystal clear in their life in the name of Jesus. Father, we, we welcome your, I'll feel, I'll feel God's presence right now. Just come on, just press into him. Let, let him touch your life right now. Let him begin to form you and shape you, point you. That's the voice of the Lord you're hearing right now. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You're the head and not the tail. You were formed. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. You, you, are, you are perfect in the eyes of God. You aren't seen through the eyes of your failure. You are seen through the eyes of significance. There are so many waiting on the other side of this obedient step that you're taking today. Your identity comes from God. Your identity comes from Christ. Your identity comes from God. Your identity comes from Christ. Receive it today. Receive it today. Come on, I, I believe marriages are gonna change today. I believe husbands are gonna change today. I believe wives are gonna change today. God, I believe this community is gonna change today. God, I believe our church is gonna change today. God, I believe it. I believe it. I receive it right now, God. Shape us into the God community you want us to be, to change our city, to change our nation, God. Thank you for the revelation of your word today. In the name of Jesus, we receive it, we receive it, we receive it in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted, amen. Come on, give God a big hand clap. God bless you guys. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we wanna hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.